Hello and welcome to our audience. Uh, this is the PATC podcast. I'm Mark Waterfield, president and owner of Public Agency Training Council. PATC is the country's largest and longest running provider of seminars for police officers, fire officials. We also have educators, EMS, uh, dispatch individuals who attend our classes. And we've got a wonderful, wonderful guest here with us today, Daryl Rivers. And then I also have my co-host, Dave Broadway. Hello, my name's Dave Broadway. I was a city cop for about 10 years. Then I was a special agent with the Florida Department of Law Enforcement for 24. During the last 25 years, I've been teaching at a university adjunct and doing training for the last eight years with PATC and uh, enjoyed my career and just love being a co-host with Mark to hear the interesting stories these instructors have. Fantastic. And uh, Daryl Rivers is with us. Uh, Daryl, please tell our audience about your background. Right on. Well, I am Daryl L. Rivers. I spent majority of my life, my adult life in government service, started and I was 18, joined the United States military during the first Persian Gulf era. Right after that, at the tender age of 22, you know, went and joined the Detroit Police Department in my hometown. Did that for several years before I decided that Detroit is a really good place to be from. Right. So uh, <laughs> I transferred out to Arizona, uh, at which time I became a, de- a detective with the uh, Department of Corrections there. Uh, didn't like going to prison every day to go to work. So I became a special agent with the attorney general's office. And I was in charge of the tobacco enforcement unit. Had about a uh, 100 non-sworn uh, volunteer personnel that I managed there and a few special agents for the tobacco enforcement unit. But I was still that Detroit kid that wanted to put on a uniform and save the planet. So I started uh, all over at the Goodyear Arizona Police Department. And there I uh, served as a public information officer, defensive tactics instructor, sergeant, and a hostage negotiator. Those are a few things that I could think of that I did there. And I retired in uh, 2014. I've uh, been instructing ever since. And I think a good portion of that was with you, Mark. A good uh, seven years now at uh, PATC, at least. Absolutely. We thoroughly enjoy having you as an instructor and you do wonderful work. Tell the audience uh, the classes that you teach. Right on. Well, one of the more popular classes right now is a leadership class that uh, we do a leadership institute for new and first line supervisors. That's it's a five day, pretty intensive course. We talk about the levels of influence, uh, recognizing where you are, not utilizing position and climbing that influence and understanding how it works. Then we go into a little bit more of the actual everyday applicable things on how to deal with criticism. Um, how to deal with challenging people, how to recognize it, how to create the proper leadership environment for your people. And that, that's a five-day pretty intensive course. Uh, another, the second most popular course is a de-escalation class that I call a calming the fire. And it's not your typical verbal judo. You know, it's not a cookie cutter. You know, when they say this, you say that kind of thing. But it's more based on human cognition. So, you know, I give them a crash course on human behavior analytics and let them know when a person's in crises within the first 30 to 40 45 seconds, you can recognize a person's personality type and de-escalate them based on their human behavior and cognition uh, in that model of behavior. Those two classes are primarily the two that, you know, I, I conduct most with you guys, Mark. And I also have an interview and interrogation class that, you know, had some traction a while ago as well. What type of students, what level of in their career do you typically have in your leadership class? That's interesting because, you know, 
I've had classes to where as I had newly minted, you know, uh, uh, sergeants, they know, you know, they're just getting into it or they're waiting to put their stripes on. And I've also had chiefs of police in that institute for uh, new and first line supervisors. And I think it's applicable to everyone. It's just that I think the application is a little bit different from, you know, the boots on the ground level to the executive level. Everybody picks out the particulars and, and applies it in their particular sphere. So yeah, I, I get, you know, from, from, beginnings levels to the actual, you know, uh, top of the mountain. That's fantastic. What kind of uh, practical exercises do you do in that class? Oh, wow. Uh, I have one called uh, Life Will. What it is is that I'll create a, uh, a circle. It's a will. And in there, I have eight particular spheres, uh, just areas of your life. Let's just say hypothetically, well, not hypothetically, family environment. What's your personal growth model? Uh, what's your health and wellness? What are your finances looking like? And I have them shade from the middle all the way to the top of the circle on how comfortable, how satisfied you are in that area. And generally, everyone's it's all over the place, right? One's high, one's one's low and one's medium, some are non-existent. And then I'll have them look at that will and say, so this is your will. You know, we recognize that there are no complete circles. We're not all the way even across the board, which signifies that we have a little bit of personal and professional imbalances in our life. And I say, imagine taking that will off and replicating it and putting four of those tires all around your car. How bumpy is that ride? And everybody, no one has a complete circle. They say, oh, this is a pretty bumpy ride. I say, yeah. And if you're the leadership tier, you're the one once they got it together, you understand the technical knowledges of this job, you're competent in it, and you're leading the young individuals, if your ride is this bumpy, how bumpy is the person's ride who's coming to work every day, who's just learning how to navigate this new career? And when they are not, when they are having that day, you know, whether it's a, a not so great day, or maybe they are, they're not motivated, maybe it's a possibility that their everyday bumpy ride is getting to them. And when you share that your ride is not bumpy and how you compensate and exercise specific disciplines, you know, in your life, because we as humans malfunction extremely well, you know, until we don't be mindful that you I know you want a pair of hands, but you usually get the full person. So don't just look at them from a work perspective, understand that everyone has a bumpy ride, including you and how you navigate yours is how you should mentor other people to navigate theirs. And that's like big aha moment, you know, really, really big aha moment with uh, especially the high level uh, uh, managers and supervisors. Well, Daryl, I got a little something for you. Um, my area of passion is um, recruiting human intelligence, human sources mm -hmm. and things like that. And uh, one of the things I talk about is Muhammad Ali as a boxer, as a technical boxer, yeah. and go all the way back to Gene Tooney. I said, the start of science and boxing and things like that, you can take it all the way back to Gene Tooney. And I said, anybody, I said, go to YouTube and watch some of Ali's famous fights where he would fade being tired. He would fade, you know, he just can't stand up. And then, of course, he would rope the dope and, and all the other terms that we have because of Ali's expertise. Right. And sometimes I tell people when you talk to people, when you're trying to get into their heads, be conscious of your of your neuro-linguistic programming and things like that. How you're projecting. Yeah. Are you project? Is your face telling a lie while you're talking out of your mouth? You know, are you saying, man, it sucks to be you or man, it really sucks to be right. you. <laughs> you know, these types of things. I, I think back and when you said preparing and things like that, it, it made me think of one of my favorite quotes from uh, Vince Lombardi was, everyone has the will to win, but few have the will to prepare. I to win. love that. And um, these supervisors out there, and and when I'm trying to talk to a guy on the on, on the street that's at his end in wits, I need to let my face know that I'm concerned about this yes. guy. 
And I've had old cops, and I'll get your comment on this. I've had old cops say, well, I'm not touchy-feely. I said, well, if you've been on a date, you're probably touchy-feely. You know how to project. I'll leave that with you, Daryl. But, you know, on just projection, how important is that to you in your classes and, and what, you, what you've done in your career? Absolutely. Projection is paramount. I think that, you know, when we start talking about projection, we got to go into the dynamics of communication. We know that, you know, it's 55% express body language, 38% tonality and word usage. It's 7% vocal. So if I have yes. a whopping 93% of body t- body language, tonality, and word usage and how I say what I say, it's going to completely outweigh that 7%, right? And so so therefore yes, when, sir. you know, I, I use this, this, this sentence a lot when I'm teaching communication, I can say the same sentence three ways and mean something completely different. I can say, Dave, I didn't know or I didn't say you stole my bike. Or Dave, I didn't say you stole my bike. Dave, I didn't say you stole my bike. It's the same sentence, three different ways. And just that projection gives you a completely different emphasis on what you're paying attention to. So yeah, it, it's, it, it goes back to when I teach the de-escalation classes or the leadership, as opposed to like you say, hey man, uh, what were you thinking when you made that decision? Or hey man, what were you thinking when you made that decision? Completely Absolutely. so. So yeah, I do talk about the NLP, tonality, body language, that the projection. Projection is extremely important. Not only do you teach them how to properly project, but when you're instructing a class, you got to properly project. Yes, and also tell them, get over yourself. If you've been successful in a promotional board, if you've been successful in your love life, if you've, if you've got a core of good friends, you know what you're exactly. doing. You just choose not to do it because you've uh, prejudged a group or a person that wasn't worthy of your full communication. Exactly, exactly. And, and another thing I say, Dave, is that people, I think that when, when you are a high level communicator, you feel you're extremely effective in communication. One of the things you have to understand is that the person with the lowest level of communication skills basically dictates the communication because hmm. you have to be able to communicate with them on their level to where communication actually happens. So regardless of how skilled you are, if you want to communicate on a high level, you have to be able to recognize where is the person that you're communicating with. Because if I'm communicating nice at an extremely high level, this person is a mid-grade communicator. It sounds very good and I'm using $100 words and I'm expressing myself, but if they can only understand it at a point to where they can, it doesn't matter how intelligent your speech is, they're going to translate it and reproduce it on a level that they can comprehend. Well, that sounds like a good segue into your verbal de-escalation work. Tell our audience about that class. Well, great. Um, it actually is one of my favorite classes to teach, you know, coming from a hostage negotiator's perspective. And the main thing, Mark, is I always say, man, I wish I knew this stuff when I was working in Detroit. You know, I could have saved myself a lot of hospital visits. Uh <laughs> A lot of a lot of ibuprofen and Vicodin. I could have saved myself a lot of that because, man, it was something else. But if you have an apple tree, an orange tree, strawberry patch, coconut grove, and grape vineyard, if you treat all of them the same, some of them will die, right? So when it comes to human behavior and de-escalation, if I try to use one technique on every single individual I come across, I'm going to get my uniform pretty dirty and I'm going to be using a lot of paperwork for my use of force uh, documentation, you know? So we realize that different people are different people. The main thing is recognize what 
personality style that you are. Am I a driven person? Am I more influential? Am I systematic? Am I analytical? Because that's the way I'm going to try to de-escalate. If I'm extremely analytical, I'm going to always come from the logical perspective. And we know emotional people aren't logical. If I am extremely driven, I'm going to try to dominate the conversation and I'm going to tell them what's right. And I'm going to tell them what they need to do. And I'm going to constantly go at them and that particular ideology because that's my model of behavior. So first is recognizing who and what you are concerning your particulars when you're under crises of stress. You squeeze the sponge, what's in is going to come out. That's including us as officers. And then the second part is recognizing who do I need to become to obtain the desired result, right? So now I have to recognize who I am and I got to recognize who's in front of me. And then the whole course is now talking about bridging that gap. So let's just say I'm a dominating type of personality type. I'm extremely driven. And the individual that I'm attempting to de-escalate is a supportive, systematic person, meaning that they don't express their feelings as much. They more so are listeners and they're more so a supporter. So me being driven, I'm going to dictate a lot of things, but that person that's systematic, they're going to more so listen. And I don't know if I have agreement or not. So I can say, hey, you know, you do believe that this is a good decision to make for us to just, you know, take a deep breath, step out on the porch. We don't want to mess up your parents' house or anything like that. And we've already caused enough issues as it is right now. And I really want to talk to you man to man. I don't want to degrade you in front of your family or you feel a certain way. Let's step outside on the porch. Now, I can say that to certain people, but let's just say I'm talking to that person is systematic and they're kind of non-emotional. They don't give me a lot of feedback. I said a whole bunch and I didn't give that person an opportunity to actually express themselves. So I think I have an agreement. I think we're going to walk out on the porch and they're like, I'm not going out there. You say, well, you know, but you didn't say anything. Yeah, I know. But if I'm dealing with a systematic person and I recognize that they're not as expressive, they'll hold their emotions in a little bit. I'll say, well, hey, where do you feel we need to conduct this conversation at? Where's best for you? As opposed to being that driven person, this is going to dictate. I have to come back and realize this person is systematic. They're not going to express themselves. They're going to hold their anger in before you know it. I'm going to get sucker punched because they're straight faced and I don't know. They're not fucking up at me and, you know, showing me signs of aggression. So now I'm more inquisitive as opposed to directive. And just that de-escalation of understanding who I'm actually de-escalating is going to increase my effectiveness by at least 80%. You know, you, you got you to gotta treat the plants the way that they need to be treated or they're going to die. And also, Daryl, I try to teach young police officers that, and, and, and those in the, in the academics, I try to tell them the people in the street are fascinating. Yeah. Hear their story and let your face tell them that you are yeah. listening. Don't keep it in. It's like the 7% communication. So bravo right. for that. I, I appreciate what you just said. And another guy that's been in uniform. Yeah, we can talk to talk. Yeah. <laughs> so we've been there. We failed. <laughs> yes, very we've been there. Much so. <laughs> There have been uh, so many instances and even recent instances of communication breaking down. And I think it's vitally important that uh, we present your class and that you're out there as much as possible teaching officers uh, how to have better results and uh, to de-escalate uh, situations. It's very, very important. That's for sure. It definitely is. And, you know, even though I tell them all of the time, I say, look, just because you're taking my de-escalation class doesn't mean that you're never going to fight again. I'm telling you what, number one, I am not that good. I'm not, you're not going to take this class and never fight again. All right. So, you know, I, I do express that if you use these particular techniques, if you use the body language cues, I'm going to give you the tonality, you know, and the process, even when the time arises to where is that one person decides 
what you're saying is great, but I'm still going to fight you. You have now documentation that you exercise the most professional way of communicating. So in the event that there does has to be a hands-on, you're so justified in it. If there's any recordings or anything like that, that you did not utilize violence as the first option and that you did your best and you did a particular process that shows my number one option is to resolve this in a non-confrontational manner. Absolutely. You know, Tell us about your interview class. What kind of things do you talk about there? Oh, wow. We go so much into uh, cognition. You know, we really, really talk about the how we process information. For instance, Mark, you know, let's just say if I want to connect with you and uh, my number one goal is to begin to build rapport. And I'll tell them from the get go, if your number one goal is to get a confession, you're going to be hard pressed. If your number one goal is to build a relationship and rapport, the confession is going to come. So my number one goal is to, to build a rapport with you. And that goes with something as small as communicating in the way and in the manner that their brain processes information. So let's just say that you and I are speaking, Mark, and on the way out, we're saying goodbye, but we're not using the words goodbye. What would be the words? What would be the statement or phrase you would use other than goodbye? Uh, so long. So long. Okay, give me another one. See, see you, you later. later. Right? So yeah. when you say so long or see you later, let's just use see you later. That's more applicable, right? right? So when Dave says see you later, what that lets me know is that Dave is a, a visual person. He he processes information visually. Mm. So if I say, see you later, he probably says when he's speaking, you see what I'm saying? Or I see what you mean. I see that. To whereas if I'm audio, I would say, talk to you later. Mm. Oh, I hear what you're saying. I hear, do you hear what I mean? So I'll use either, I hear what you're saying. I Do you hear what I mean? I see what you're saying. I see what you mean. Or if I'm kinesthetic hands-on, I'll say something like, so long, or let's keep in touch. So that person will say, do you feel me? Do you feel what I'm saying right mm -hmm. now? So it's either see, hear, or feel. So when I'm talking to the person and I, I recognize that they're using one of those particular items, now all of my questions are going to be visual. So what did you see? Because if I ask, what did he hear? That's not on the top of the way his brain processes information. So if I want to get the highest level of information, I have to connect with them cognitively on how their brains connect with the outside world. So if it's primarily uh, visual, I'm going to use a lot of visual statements. And also the visual person likes to complete your sentences before you complete them. So if, I, if I'm talking to Dave and I know that Dave visual, I say, Dave, in the event that you, I, and maybe two or three, and Dave's like, you're talking too slow, get it out. I want to hear it, you know? <laughs> Right. Because that person's a, a audio, I mean, a, a visual. So if I recognize that visuals communicate at a faster pace than kinesthetics, I want to communicate at that pace of that visual because it gives them less stress in their brain. Yeah. So I'm connecting just with the way that they process information by listening to how they speak to me. That's just one. I go into the NLP of involuntary eye movement. You know, what's the creative side of the brain? What's the recollection side of the brain? A lot, a lot of body language. We even talk about the initial walk-in to where it's when you shake a person's hand, how you can begin to set the tone of how you want the interview to go just by shaking their hand a certain way. So it's it's very uh, cognitively based to where it's the way that you form up your questions to understanding your personality type. If I am an influential person that doesn't like conflict, I'll say things like, if I you know, pull a car over, hey, you don't have anything inside of the car that I should know about, do you? That's non-confrontational. It makes a person easier to lie to you. They just got to 
agree with a lie that you've already told as opposed to is there anything in the vehicle that I need to know about do you have any guns inside of the car instead of saying you don't have that do you because you're gonna divert the brain has to go to a certain part of it to provide that answer and the way you ask it is going to elicit a whole lot more physiological responses and you have That's regional so fantastic. things too yeah. you're a wonderful instructor and we very much cherish our relationship with you the audience the attendees always come back very thrilled that they had your class and learn a whole lot and so Daryl Rivers we really appreciate you being here with us on this podcast and appreciate all of your work for PATC well Mark I appreciate you guys definitely definitely value the, the relationship and you know how we've been over the past few years every time we're in the same area man you you make it an effort to come and, and, and hang out with me and I really appreciate that David Daryl thank you so much have a great rest thank of your you week. guys so much Thank you so much for listening. And if you have any questions or comments, feel free to email us at podcast one at gmail.com. One.